0: Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, January 15, 2023. The sheer ID numbers for Friday, January 13th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 19,850, that's 19850 and for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book study 19851 That's 19851 This morning a vision for you presents the 3D's smashing the denial delusion and defiance Step one states, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step one is an admission of the central problem we face as compulsive overeaters our powerlessness over food and the unmanageable life that has resulted. Once we can admit our powerlessness, a door opens to the solution to our problem. As long as we deny, delude, and defy our powerlessness, however, our problem cannot be solved. Compulsive overeating is really a process of delusion, denial, and defiance. We are unable to see the onset, and the progression of our illness, and this distorted view allows for the development and the progression of our disease. The first step is about admitting defeat in our battle with food. But step one is not merely an intellectual admission of powerlessness. It is an emotional acceptance of our powerlessness made at the gut level, the deepest level. The AA-12 and 12 refers to this acceptance of powerlessness and unmanageability as an experience of utter defeat, bankruptcy, hopelessness, and hitting bottom. As the big book says, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. Of course, we apply this very same instruction to our process of recovery for compulsive overeating. It is the desperation we feel at hitting bottom that motivates us to do the hard work and consistent work of the program. Step one forces us to look at our disease. Smashing the denial, delusion, and defiance will help us break through our resistance and accept the reality of our disease of compulsive overeating and all its consequences, ensuring we make the changes in our attitudes and behavior that recovery will require joining us today to elaborate on this very topic is terry a h a recovered compulsive overeater from maine terry is dedicated to our 12-step way of life which of course includes carrying the message of recovery and helping those who still suffer and it's with great appreciation and always a delight to welcome terry to the line this morning
1: good morning thank you leah um such a such a great um beautiful commentary and introduction to the special edition and um yeah thank you so much Hi everyone. My name is Terry A H, and I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maine. And oh my God, it's so great to be with you this morning. Um, I'm so excited and uh, so appreciative to be able to just carry this message this morning and, and be with be with everyone. And um, you know, I want to first welcome you know all the newcomers or anyone coming back or you know anyone that doesn't know what this way of life is all about and you know, I will tell you from my own experiences, you know, there's a lot of hope. Um, and there's a lot of people that will, you know, are, are willing to help in any way. And so for those who don't know me, um, just a little bit about me, you know, I, I struggled with getting absent for for the longest time. Um, and the reason was I, I just didn't, you know, I, I did everything before in, in, in actually being in program. And I could not apply the solution to the problem because I couldn't admit what the problem was. So for me there was lots and lots of relapses. So my heart goes out to you, you know, if you're struggling or if you've struggled in the past and, you know, you just don't feel like you can get this. And um for me, you know, I I had to have every every relapse, you know, until I found a, a message of depth and weight and a way of going through this work that really revolutionized my my whole attitude. And so you know today's talk is you know before i begin i just you know before i begin the topic you know i i would like to start out with a prayer along with some considerations and considerations are just you know careful thoughts or reflections and you know most of my share today will be a lot about you know c- considerations because i always find that you know um if i can if someone can ask me the question then i can find my own answers and so you know, I, I would like to just start out with a prayer, um, you know, uh, with you today. You know, we we often hear the set aside prayer, but I'm going to share with a uh, share a prayer today that's called the How prayer, and it's H O W. And um, some of you may may have heard of it, and and there's actually three parts of this prayer. And you know, I'm actually, you know, I, I I'm happy to share how I utilize this prayer, you know, for myself and with others if it gets asked in the Q&A later. So here we go. So the first part of the prayer goes, God, please help me be honest with you and myself. And so I ask myself, you know, some considerations with this piece. Am I lying to myself by omission or telling little white lies? Is fear today still driving the delusion that I have the power and control to manage my own life? Do I think it's possible to be dishonest with others and yet honest with myself? So those are just some, some considerations to contemplate with this piece of the prayer. Now the second part of the prayer goes, God, please help me to be open-minded to do things differently. And the considerations I give is, what would it take to face the truth about myself that I'm powerless and my life has become unmanageable? And so, uh, you know, I ask you just to, Give that some thought. Um, now the third piece of that prayer is God, please help me to be willing to be willing to do things differently. And the considerations that I give for this piece is can I fully concede to my innermost self that I'm powerless and my life has become unmanageable? And what does that actually look like? And do I believe if I don't change that I won't stay? And if I don't stay, I will surely die, and so I, I you know, I, I contemplate on this prayer. So, you know, the the whole prayer is, you know, just God, please help me to be honest with myself. God, please help me to be open minded to do things differently, and God, please help me to be willing to be willing to do things differently. And so. Um, I, I also, you know, want to share this morning what the big book says from the doctor's opinion to, chapter, uh, to the chapter more about alcoholism to help smash home the things that won't keep me abstinent. And I'm, I may not be able to get to every page for time's sake today, but, you know, I'll definitely give you the list of the things that I've found while working with others and asking them the questions on each chapter of what I found to be true. And this has been really helpful to um, really smash home you know, uh, the three Ds, which is the topic for today, you know, smashing the denial, the delusion, and defiance. So let's take a look at the definitions of what those mean. So denial is the action of declaring something that's untrue, the refusal to admit the truth, or the reality of something unpleasant. So I kind of look at it, you know, like for me, you know, I, I would put this definition, no one I'm powerless over myself when it comes to my alcoholic foods, but not accepting it. And then the delusion, the definition of delusion is a false belief or judgment about external reality to mislead the mind. <clears throat> so how I would put this in 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 my 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 terms would be it's it's the lie that I keep telling myself. And then the defiance, the definition for defiance is a behavior or an attitude which shows unwillingness to comply or surrender, refusal to do something rebellious, resistant, ready to fight, or balk. So, um, and I always kind of look at this, it's like, you know, I I always look at the visual, you know, with the defiance. It's like telling your child, you know, to go pick up their toys or go to bed and and they're fighting you with with tooth and nail. And I kind of look at this for myself because this is how it was for me for the longest time, you know, um, before I I found the solution. You know, I mean, you would give me directions and I would definitely – just I would balk, I'd fight, you know, I just I just didn't want to do it. You know, um I wasn't ready to give up certain foods and um you know uh, I, I just I c I couldn't do it. And so I stayed I stayed in misery for a long time and you know I I, I say that with compassion because um I, I you know I always say I had to have everybody in order for me to get here. Um and and so in step one what I'm looking at is the areas in which I'm stuck. You know, and and doing the same things over and over again. So what I'm doing in step one is I'm really like clarifying the problem that keeps preventing me from experiencing the freedom that you know the book offers. So with step one, it can be really really uncomfortable because someone like me, if you're someone like me, it doesn't always feel good when when I see things that I don't I don't want to see. But I always had to see where my denial, my delusion, and my defiance had to be smashed in order for change. And so the hope is that this is the beginning of the road of freedom, you know, for anyone that's struggling. And it's, it's, you know, step one helps us to pinpoint something that I may not have been able to recognize before. So I'm going to go to the doctor's opinion. And I may not be able to get to every page, but I'm just, I want to talk about it, you know, what I have in my book And so in the doctor's opinion, I'm looking at the physical craving that I may be experienced when I take any of my alcoholic foods into my body, you know, and I'm also looking at what happens to me in my body at that point. Nothing to do with my thought process or what I'm doing prior, uh, how I felt when I picked up the alcoholic foods. It's it's actually what happens to my body when I put those foods in that I have, you know, an abnormal reaction. So the consideration, you know, I like to ask for, you know, the doctor's opinion is what happens to my body? You know, does my body crave more of that alcoholic food once I ingest, once I ingest it into my body? And so something, you know, for me, it's like something that happens inside me. I can't explain it once I start. Um, I, I can't stop it and... Once I start ingesting them into my body, something happens within me and I lose control. I break out in cravings for more of that alcoholic food. So the considerations, you know, I would I would ask for this piece, do I lose control over my alcoholic foods after I take the first bite? So think about that, you know, um, when I put any kind of uh, food that does not, that I have an abnormal reaction, does my body crave more and do i lose control over that first first bite you know can i control how much i eat of those alcoholic foods not sometimes but every time i start you know because that was the lie that i told myself that was you know that was the delusion that i could you know i could i could stop when i wanted to i would go on a diet and but the 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 question here is like can i control how much i eat those alcoholic foods every time not sometimes you know, not periodically, but every time. You know, um, you know, and and the other consideration, you know, that I like to give is, you know, um, am I restless, irritable, and discontented when I'm overeating, or not overeating, or undereating? You know, whatever you, whatever your, um, you know, your, your disease, whichever which way your, your disease goes. For me, I'm an overeater, so I always like to ask that. You know, am I restless, irritable, and discontented when I'm overeating, or not overeating? You know, so when I'm when I'm binging, and I'm I'm you know stuffing myself with those foods that I'm not even hungry for, but I I can't stop because they're now in my system, am I irritable, and restless, and discontent? You know, um, and when I'm when I have those alcoholic foods on my body, you know, um, am I still irritable, restless, and discontent? And you know, the answer for me was was definitely yes. So is there any you know the you know the last piece that you know, I'll, I'll give for this, for the, for the doctor's opinion. Is there anything that anyone could have said or, or or done that could keep me from compulsively overeating in the past or, you know, even now? And the answer was definitely no. I mean, there were so many people that told me that, you know, if I'd only lose weight, you know, um, you know my, my physical health would be better. You know, if you'd only lo- lose weight, you know, um, you wouldn't be struggling with your back. You know, so there's, you know, just so many, so many people, you know, and it it talks about in the the big book, you know, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. So, you know, those people, you know, they have, they have a good heart, you know, and they, they want good for me, but they just don't, they don't get it. You know, they just don't know what my real problem is. So, you know, I would give a consideration for today, you know, actually for me today, because I've been recovered for, you know, um, sometime, you know, so I would give a consideration for people that have been recovered and have been around, you know, um, you know, do do you believe or you know do I believe, which I do, that a physical craving would occur if I eat my alcoholic foods again, and so I always go back to step one because I have to stay in step one because if I'm moving further a step further away from step one, then I'm in trouble. So every day, you know, I ask myself am I getting closer to step 1 or further away from step 1? And yes, we go through the steps, but I have to remember, you know, my first step problem because just knowing my first step problem is not going to is not going to do anything for me. So, you know, in the doctor's opinion, um it it talks about men and women drink, you know, I'm going to keep it drink and I'll I'll definitely, you know, um uh, share my experience, you know, with, with the eatings, but I, I you know, out of respect for the book, I like to just read it how it is. So men and women drink because they like the effect. And that was me. Like I never, I never ate for the taste, maybe for the first bite, but after that it was for the effect. And I don't even know what the, the effect was. I think it was just for me, it was just to numb out my reality, like not deal with reality. And, you know, so the denial here in the, in that paragraph is, the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it's injurious or harmful, they cannot differentiate the truth from the false. To so them, their alcoholic, alcoholic life—you know—so my alcoholic food life seems the only normal one. So that's where the denial comes in. You know, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. And then the delusion of that paragraph: they are restless, irritable, and discontented unless, they, unless they can experience a sense—the sense which is for me is limited it never lasts of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking um uh, uh alcohol or you know for me my alcoholic food i'd say foods which they see others you know um meaning a moderate and a hard eater, taken taking them without impunity without problems so i may look at <clears throat> like my husband and he's a he's a normal eater so i you know i might look at him and say well he can do it you know why can't i do it so that's the delusion that i tell myself that you know, but my truth is I'm not like him. You know, my defiance in that paragraph is after they have succumbed to the desire again, as many do, the phenomenon craving um, for more develops. And, and that's, you know, that's my truth. After I give in, you know, to the lie, you know, my defiance comes in and says, I can do it and I'm going to do it, you know. So, you know, once again, I fall back into the delusion in that paragraph, you know, because it tells me It says they pass through this well-known stage of the spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to not to drink again, or no, for us, not to compulsively eat again. And so, this description really helps me begin to look at my first step problem, and it describes, you know, to me so that I can clearly clearly see that when I compulsively eat eat, even when I want to truly stop. It shows me what happens to me when I'm in the denial, the delusion, in the defiance. Um, For me, it's like I I always lose the ability to tell the truth from the false. And so it looks like for me, I tell myself the lie, I believe the lie, and then the lie becomes my truth. And wouldn't you say, you know, for someone like me, um, not being able to tell the truth from the false is the perfect definition of insanity. So um, I'm not able to see that my life is abnormal, you know, when I'm in it. I just, I, I might know it, but I have, I got to believe that, I'll you know, that I'll be able to control my alcoholic foods and put my life together. That's, that's the lie that I tell myself that I can do it. You know, um, there were many times that I would come to meetings and, you know, I would hear the message and, and, but, you know, as soon as that hour was up from the face-to-face meeting, you know, I, I would hit the first fast food place and, you know, because I just believed that going to meetings and you know was was really solving my problems. And <clears throat> I went to you know I would go to meetings, you know, and it would all of it would be all about the food and weight. And you know, I know today that that's it's not about the food and the weight. It's what goes on between my ears. And so the denial, the delusion, and defiance. So, you know, in that paragraph, it says this is repeated over and over again. Unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope for his recovery. So that tells me right there that I need help. I need something greater than myself that's going to, you know, take me past this area of my life. So I want to share the things in the doctor's opinion that's not going to keep me abstinent. And so... There's five things that I found in this, and there may be more throughout the chapters, but, you know, these are these are what I find, and when I'm working with others, you know, I ask the questions, you know, do these things keep you, will they keep you abstinent, or do they keep you abstinent? So the the five things that won't keep me abstinent in the doctor's opinion is me, myself and I, um, doctors, uh, people, frothy emotional appeal, which is people, you know, um, people telling me that you know, I got to do something, you know, only if I do something, you know, you know, just just everyone trying to help me that can't. Um, definitely human power in my mind. So the five things is me, doctors, frothy emotional appeal, which is uh, hu- uh, people and then human power and then my mind. So in Bill's story, you know, Bill's story was a really helpful tool in identifying and smashing you know, the the denial, the the delusion, and defiance. So, you know, I asked myself, you know, going through Bill's story, you know, do I think like Bill thought? Do I feel like Bill felt? And do I eat like Bill drank? And I asked myself, is this my experience when I identify my own history? You know, where do I actually connect Bill's story to my own patterns of living? So I'm looking for the progression of Bill's alcoholism with my own compulsive eating. Does Bill's story become my story? So that's what I'm looking at. So I want to take you to page five. And he talks about several times about the delusion, the denial. um, And there's a piece on page uh, nine where he talks about the defiance. And so on page five, you know, kind of like in the middle, it says, um, so this is a delusion. Nevertheless, I thought I could control the situation and the periods of sobriety that renewed my wife's hope. So this is delusion that he still thought he could control the situation. You know, and that I, can, I so, I smile, I have a big smile on my face because I can so identify with Bill. And then the denial in that same, you know, that same space, same paragraph, it says the denial comes in and he says, then I went on a prodigious bender and the chances vanished. So, you know, it's like, you know, first he's got the great thought that he could control, you know, for me, I could control my alcoholic foods. And then before I know it, I'm going on going on a binge, you know. And then the delusion, he, you know, he talks about, I woke up, this had to be stopped. I saw I could not take as much as one drink. So I can identify with that. Like, how many times did I wake up in the morning saying I had to stop? You know, that, you know, i look at myself in the mirror and said this, you know, I would say i You know, I would say, this is the day. You're going to do it. You know, today's going to be different. You know, and he he talks about I was through forever, and that was me. You know, I would say that on a daily basis. Today's the day. Today's going to be different. But he says, before then, I had written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. So, again, just knowing about my first step problem is not going to keep me abstinent. So he talks about, you know, the denial, you know, he says, shortly I came home drunk. There had been no fight at all. And that that was me. Like, before I knew it, you know, I would start out in the morning, you know, know, having good intentions. And by, you know, mid-afternoon, you know, I was back into the food. So the delusion he talks about, you know, he talks about renewing my resolve, I tried again. So renewing his sweet promises. You know, he tried it again. And how many, how many times did I do diet, you know? Um, you know, how many times did I try to get on, you know, a, a new phase? Like, you know, I always think about this month, January, you know, it's it's a new year, we make resolutions. And I had resolutions every year, you know, only to fail time after time. So he talks about sometimes passing, the competence began to be replaced with cocksureness. I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. So you know, my ego will come in and say, you know, you can do this. You've lost weight before, you know, because that's what I thought. It was all about the, the, you know, the food and the weight. And you know, there's so many, so many diets that I did. And I always talk about the word diets and diets. That's why they they never work for someone like me. And then you know, he talks about the denial again. One day I walked into the cafe to telephone. In no time I was beating on the bar, asking myself how it had it happened. And that was me. You know, for those that know me, I I worked in the bakery department for a long time, for 28 years. And I always laugh at that because it's like the perfect place for a compulsive over-eater, right? So I was walking into the bakery on a daily basis. And in in no time, I was, you know, stuffing my my pockets with with binge foods, you know, getting stuff out of the vending machine, you know, having my stash for the day, you know, after I'd made the sweet promises in the morning. So on page 7, he talks about the delusion. You know, it relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor. Understanding myself now, I fared forth a high, a high hope. Sure, this was the answer self knowledge. And again, self knowledge, just knowing about my first step problem, is not going to keep me abstinent. It's not going to keep me in recovery. And then he talks about the denial again but it was not for the frightful day when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and body. Bodily health fell off like a ski jump, and that was me. you know um it just got worse and worse, so I could totally identify with Bill's progression and then on page eight at the top, he talks about the denial the delusion and defiance got me. You know it's like no words can tell of the loneliness and despair. I found that bitter morass of self self-pity quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. alcohol was my master. And I could so identify him with that. You know, food was my master. It was just, it was my everything. You know, it was, I wasn't I wasn't living to eat. I was eating to I wasn't eating to live. I was living to eat. You know, and that because it was every morning. You know, the denial again. You know, um, fear sobered me up for a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of first drink. And on Amherst's Day, 1934, I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere. I would stumble along. To the miserable end. So, you know, he talks about Amherst's Day, and I, I think about the holidays, but, you know, I, I think about every day was a holiday for me. It didn't have to be a certain day. And then on page nine, he talks about the defiance. He's, he, you know, Bill, you know, Abby comes and, you know, he's, he's talking to Bill about a solution, and, you know, and, and Bill's defiance comes up, and I can so identify with this too. You know, he says, besides, my gym would last longer than his preachers. You know, it's like, you know you can talk to me all all you want but in the meantime I'm going to I'm going to be eating my alcoholic food so you know for this piece you know I, I I just learned that I can't get out of the quicksand by myself I need help and I need another person to show me what to do in recovery um isn't it the only way out is the only way through and you know for this the big book and the steps so you know that I'll be god reliant versus very reliant you know so that so that that's what this journey is all about so the considerations you know with bill's story that i like to identify in and and give when i'm working with others do i identify with bill when he says liquor ceased to be a luxury it became a necessity and a necessity and for me it was absolutely i was i was definitely eating without my permission you know food was my need for everything when dealing with life and you know uh the other consideration I give, you know, is did I experience remorse, horror, and hopelessness of that next morning? Was I as hopeless as Bill at the end of his drinking? And, again, you know, for me, I was just as hopeless as Bill. And, you know, I, I like to just kind of ask myself, like, how many times did I want to stop but I couldn't? You know, again, with many attempts at trying, only for many more attempts to fail. And so the things in Bill's story that won't keep me absent is, and, you know, there's a list here. And, again, you know, like I said, there may be many more, but this is what I found. So the things in Bill's story that won't keep me obstinate is success, failure, good intentions, high abilities, firm resolve, renewal or resolve, sincere promises, self-knowledge, fear, family, friends, medical science, and a desperate desire. And um, I like to ask, you know, did or do any of those things today, will they keep me abstinent? And and the answer is no. So um moving on um into there's a, a solution. You know, I want to take a look at there is a solution and, and kind of just point out you know the defiance, the delusion and the denial. And again, I had to see where if someone was saying something to me, you know, actually throwing me a life jacket to save my life. So if you can picture yourself in the ocean you know and i love page 17 and you know where where there's a solution and we're we're all on this ship and you know we're going down it's like being on the titanic and we're going down and you know the ship goes down and we're all floating in the ocean and you know we're 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 bobbing we're, we're gasping for our life and you know all of a sudden you know a lifeboat comes by and you know uh they see that we we need help and they come by and they throw me a life jacket to you know and save my life and you know, asked me to do something, you know, they asked me to get into the light bulb, you know, so am I being defiant by throwing back the life jacket and telling them it's the wrong color, only to continue to keep fighting to survive, and that's how I look at, you know, my journey with, with, you know, trying to do it myself, so you can see it was my, my denial, my delusion, my defiance that was keeping me from hearing the way out from my misery from another person, you know, um, I found, you know, for me, I I found it was what I thought. I knew that it's, I always say, like, I I found that um, it's not what I know that's killing me. It's what I don't know that will save my life. So, you know, can I make those changes by myself? You know, that's the question that I ask myself. Can Can I make the changes needed by myself? And if I can't on my own, I have to ask myself the number one question. Can I change myself on my own power? Of living a full life of freedom. And for me, I kept wavering and deluding myself. You know, and it kept me away from the truth. So, you know, in this, and there is a solution they talk about the three drinkers, and, you know, and I'm going to kind of just, you know, change it to, you know, can you, are you the three eaters? You know, so we have the moderate eater, you know, do you, do you identify him with the moderate eater? Because it's really, this really helped me to really see where I was different, you know, so the consideration I would give for the moderate eaters do you have a little little trouble in giving up your alcoholic foods entirely if you have a good reason for it, so meaning, can you just stop you know whenever you want to stop and stay stop can you can you take it or leave alone and that's that's definitely not me, um definitely not me um or do I you know identify him with a heart eater you know can can I stop or moderate if I have a sufficiently strong reason? So for me with this one, and this one was a tricky one because, you know, it says in there that they may need medical attention or they may, may need a rehab or what, whatever. Um, but, again, you know, the rehab is not what makes me an alcoholic. So I really had to look at this one. And I had lots of sufficient strong reasons to stop. You know, I would have constant physical back and joint pain. You know, I was 250 pounds, you know, uh, always wearing black clothes, you know, because, you know, black makes you look skinny. You know, I had breathing problems, I had intimacy problems, not being able to pick up, you know, have fun with my children. Um, I, I, I had the hardest time with that. I had I had definitely sufficiently good reason, not being able to fit in a chair that had arms. Um, I couldn't climb stairs. You know, I had many warnings of a doctor that, you know, told me that I was heading for being a prime candidate for, for being a diabetic um, because it runs in my family. And none of them, none, none of these things, none of it got me. So then I look at the real compulsive overeater. You know, have I lost the power of choice whether or not to pick up again? You know, so for me, you know, by this time I, I realize I have a problem, right? And it's too late. So it's like I've crossed the caution tape. There's, for me, there's, there's like no turning back. And um, you know, I, I learned that I, I've I've lost the power and choice to overcome this by myself, by my denial, my my delusion, my defiance, because it will always take over my mind, and my self-talk will tell me, you know, I'm strong, I can handle it this time, or it really isn't that bad, or I even have the ability to restrain myself. You know, that's where my that's where the three D's will get me. So, so I would ask, you know, are you like me and have had you know, are having these conversations in your head right now, right today, or in the past, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I may be able to stop for a period of time, but the question I had to really ask myself and really, you know, get gut level honest, could I stay stuck every time on my own power? You know, do I have that defense against the first bite? You know, um, do I not need something greater than myself to help me move, move me past this area? You know, and for me, if I had the defense, would I really be needing a twelve-step program? You know, definitely, definitely not. Um, you know, do I do I need a personality change that you know that's sufficient to overcome, you know, my problem? And I, and for me, I do. You know, I do on a daily basis, and and that's the difference for me today. It's 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 not a religious program; it's a spiritual program. You know, religion, you know, is is like a once-a-week thing. You know spirituality is a is a twenty four hour day thing, and i need I need God on a daily basis so page twenty five down the bottom it's going to talk about the denial of the delusion in the science, so it says um uh if you are if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, um we believe there's no middle of the road solution and i this is one of my i have so many favorite paragraphs, but this is one of my ultimate favorites so for me, this is where the denial shows up once again because I'm, I'm. If you if you look at this paragraph, I'm standing in the middle of the road, right? It says if you're seriously alcoholic, as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road. So if I'm standing in the middle of the road, you know what's going to happen? You know I'm eventually going to get hit, right? But I don't believe I'm going to get hit. It talks about we were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there's no return through human aid. We had but two alternatives. So here comes the three Ds. Here comes the denial, the delusion, and the defiance. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation as best as I could. You know, meaning, you know, this, this meaning for me is, you know, keep doing, keep doing it my way, which hasn't worked over and over again. And the other, which is the beautiful piece, to accept spiritual help, so I look at this as, you know, there's a door number one, you know, to go on to the miserable end, or door number no- number two, not knowing what it's going to look like, but trust the process because I've seen it work in others. You know, this, you know, I always say like, this is not. Let's make a deal. It's door number one and door number two, and there's door, there's no door number three. And if there is a door number three, it's actually door number one. So the book tells me how I can how I can be changed. You know, and it tells me, you know, on the top of 25, you know, you know, in the middle, it says picking up the simple kit, kit of spiritual tools that lay at my feet. But the good news for this for me is I have to take the action and actually bend over and pick them up, which are the 12 steps in this big book, in order for them to work. So I have to plug into this new power. And, to, you know, and I like to simplify it, you know, to simplify is, is to how I live differently. You know, um, they're telling me if I pick up this kit of sim- simple, uh, the simple kit of spiritual tools that lay at my feet, then I can experience something that I've never experienced before. You know, and for me, I have to plug into new power and I have to have a whole new attitude change in order for me to be on the other side of, of, of this misery. So the things that won't keep me absent in There is a Solution is um, the list that, you know, I give is, you know, the things that won't keep me absent is a psychiatrist, human resources, a sincere desire, willpower, choice, consequences, common sense, ill health, fallen in love, change of environment, warning of a doctor, dreaded insanity now let's go to the last chapter about more about alcoholism and i like to call this more about relapse because it's 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 all about you know stories um that you know they had to drink down and you know they, they make the insane decision to to pick it up again so more about alcoholism so i like to i like to use the last three words of alcoholism the ism and the ism you know, which I like to say stands for I separate myself or I seek misery with my denial, my delusion, and my defiance. So I separate myself and I seek more misery with not really fully conceding to my innermost self to the truth of what's happening. So more about relapse, you know, it it definitely, it talks about the definition of insanity. And in this chapter, I'm, I'm beginning to focus on how I live my life. You know, and I have to ask myself, is my first step still an issue for me? You know, where is my reliance currently? Who is my reliance on? Is it still on myself, other people, my sponsor, meetings, food? You see, I I had to realize I cannot build a spiritual path on a lie. So I have to look at, look at that on a regular basis. Like, where is my reliance on? So on page thirty at the top, you know, I'm going to take you in. You know, what when they talk about the de, the defiance, the denial, and the delusion. So on the top of page thirty, it talks about the defiance, and it says most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our our drinking career has been characterized by countless attempts to prove we could drink like other people. So, you know, put that in, you know, in our language and it would read, you know, therefore it's not surprising that our overeating or undereating has been characterized by countless attempts to prove we could eat like other people or not eat like other people. And then the denial comes in, you know, this is my denial. The idea that someday, somehow he will control and enjoy his drinking or my compulsive overeating is a great obsession of every abnormal drinker or compulsive eater. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it in the gates of death. And doesn't it feel like that when you're in it? Like you just want to die. Um, And the delusion he talks about, you know, the the delusion that we are like other people that presently may be has to be smashed. And that's one of my favorite lines too, is because even being away and being recovered some period of time you know i love this line because it says the delusion that we are like other people or presently may be and why do they put presently may be they put that in there because it's for me being recovered today do i still believe that you know presently today that the delusion you know that i'm not like other people you know is that still my truth today so, what does smash look like? You know, when he talks about the delusion that we're like other people, it presently has to be smashed. So, what does that actually look like? And it's, it's, you know, I'm a visual. I like to give visuals. And it's like if you, if you took a hammer and you smashed a glass and it breaks into tiny pieces and there's just no way of putting it back together. And that's kind of, you know, I laugh at that because it's the visual is such a great a visual and, and that's me. So, what has to get from my head to my heart. I'm not like other people because the mental obsession tells me, you know, the lie that I can control what I can't control if I'm in a real deal, if I'm the real compulsive overeater. So it gives us four examples of four stories all ending in the same result, right? And I love I love this chapter because it's, it's, I can so identify in, in with it. And, you know, the four stories that they, they've all stopped drinking and it it definitely gives me a true definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. Um, You know, we here in the rooms, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, knowing that I'm going to get the same results and doing it anyway. That is the true definition of insanity. So, you know, in that chapter, they talk about the man of 30, you know, and you know what I've learned in this story that no amount of time can make me normal. And then they talk about Jim. You know, he didn't he didn't enlarge his spiritual life, so you know he didn't he didn't grow. You know, he didn't he he might have done steps one, two, and three, but he didn't go beyond that. You know, um, and then Fred, you know, Fred has this thinks that self knowledge, you know, self knowledge is going to work. And and Fred Fred's story, you know, his self knowledge did not work because again just knowing about my first step problem is not going to, is not going to resolve the problem. And then the jaywalker, which is my favorite story, you know, cause I can so identify him with that. And, you know, I might even just share with you what that looks like for me. Um, you know, uh, just, just kind of just, cause I, I, I try to make, you know, like the jaywalker Fred and Jim, I, I try to identify in that with, with my own, my own, uh, experience so you know we have the jaywalker who repeats the same behavior and expects different results and and so um i'll just kind of share what my book says so my book says for the jaywalker for me how it relates to me my behavior is so absurd and incomprehensible incom- with respect to the first compulsive bite as that is an individual with a passion same for the compulsive overeater i get a thrill out of skipping in front of fast food places I enjoy myself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings from doctors, friends, and my loved one's concern. Up to this point, you would label me a foolish gal, having bright ideas of fun, eating whatever I wanted to eat to look normal. Luck then deserts me, and I'm slightly injured several times in succession with the truth. You would expect me, if I were a normal eater, to cut it out and pull myself up on my bootstraps. Presently, I am hit again with the lie of the denial, the delusion, and defiance. And this time, I start with one more diet and commit to three days of walking. Within a week of doing good on the diet and leaving an OA meeting, the whisper of the lie would enter and I would tell myself that it was time to reward myself. I would pick up something off that diet, one of my alcoholic foods, and eventually pull it, pull into the fast food places only to binge my brains out and start one more spree. I tell you with all my heart, and I truly mean it, that I have decided to stop compulsive eating for good, and that I can't keep doing this to myself because it's killing me, but in a few weeks, I'm back binging again. On through the years, and many, many years, this conduct continues, accompanied by my continuous promises to be careful or to keep out of the bakery, the fast food places, and my binge places altogether. I finally can no longer work because of back pain and joint problems for more weight gain. I do get a divorce, and I am held up to ridicule for being overweight and less motivated. I try every known means to get the compulsive eating idea out of my head. I shut myself up in a 12-step meeting with no step work to be had, hoping to mend my ways and figure it out for myself. But the day I come out of the meeting, I race right back to my alcoholic foods which sets up another spree. Such a woman would be crazy, wouldn't she? You may think my illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? I, who have been through the ring of the up-and-down yo-yoing, having to admit if I substitute compulsive overeating for jaywalking, this illustration would fit me exactly. However intelligent I may have been in other respects where compulsive overeating has been involved, I have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? Some of you may be thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to extreme, you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us, and such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through overeating or undereating, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. This may be true to, to uh, uh, this may be true of certain non compulsive overeater people who, though eating foolishly and heavily at presently present times, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have been damaged as ours, but the actual or potential compulsive eater will hardly any exception will be absolutely unable to stop overeating on the basis of self knowledge. This is the point we wish to emphasize and reemphasize to smash home upon. Our alcoholic readers, as it's been revealed to us, out of bitter experience, and and that is my that is my, that is my experience. So you know, the jaywalk it definitely gives me the true definition of insanity. You know, and just like all four stories, you know, I too do the same thing over and over again, knowing I'm going to get the same results, but doing it anyway. So the considerations I would give you you know, for the, for the more about alcoholism is, you know, do I have the mental defense against the first bite of my alcoholic food? Like when it's out of my body, do I have a mind that will always take me back? Can I rely on my mind or human power to keep me abstinent? And, you know, the answer for me is no. Um, does my defense have to come from a higher power? Does it have to be something greater than myself? Um, and were there ways I attempted to control my eating and always failed? So the things that are not going to keep me absent and more about alcoholism um, is self-knowledge, willpower, keeping on guard, choosing, remembering the consequences and making up my mind, quitting altogether, sound reasoning, intentions, desire, self-discipline, a necessary wish, um, inability to control, The mental defense, human power, and long period of sobriety. So um, on page 43, down the bottom, you know, it tells me, it hits me with the truth. My defense must come from a higher power. And that's something greater than myself. So with this, you know, I would ask, is it possible to go from denial to acceptance? To go from delusion to reality? And to go from defiance to surrender? And the answer is yes. And I just got God bumped, you know, just just saying that because that that has been my experience, you know. You know, because the book tells me, you know, the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to do those things for, for us, which we could never do by ourselves. So in closing... I would like to just give us something to take away today to think about. And this is for, you know, anyone really that's here on the line this morning. You know, um, I, I would just ask you to just, you know, take this into prayer meditation. Is my recovery based on abstinence or spirit? If it's based on abstinence, I don't need to go to any length. I don't need the willingness to do it different. You know, someone else's way. And what will happen for me, here comes the sprees, the ease and comfort from that first bite of my alcoholic food. But if it's based on spirit, meaning I will need power, and this power will move me away from my alcoholic foods and it will move me away from self so that I can have this path of freedom of live the life that God has planned for me. So thanks for letting me share today and I'm so grateful to be with you guys and um I hope everyone had a great time at the OA birthday party. Thanks, Leah.
0: Thank you, Terry, for such an illuminating, thought provoking, and thorough presentation this morning. Such an enormously helpful presentation on step one. Thank you for carrying a message of depth and weight to all of us this morning. The share ID for this gem nineteen thousand eight hundred and fifty five. That's one nine eight five five. Terry's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Terry by pressing star one to unmute. I need your first name, including the first initial of your last
2: name. Donna Q. Donna Q. Denise S. Denise S. Bonnie B. Bonnie B. Star one to unmute to pose a question. Donna Q my question
0: yes okay let's get started good idea I've got Donna Q Denise S and Bonnie B go ahead Donna.
1: all right a real quick question she had there's a powerful statement the goose pump statement I caught part of it from abstinence to surrender could she restate that please and I really appreciate everything she said very well saved my life so thank you that's all Thanks, Donna, for the for the question. And yeah, I, I think I think what you're asking me is, you know, what where I got the goosebumps um, when I when I was sharing. And I guess I think it's where I I'm not <laughs> I'm not really sure, but I I think it was, you know, is it possible to go from denial to acceptance, delusion to reality, and defiance to surrender? And and my answer was yes. I think that's what you're asking. Thanks for the question.
0: Thank you, Donna Q. Denise F, your turn. Star one to unmute Denise.
1: Hi, sorry, Denise F, as in Frank, in Vermont. Um,
3: I actually had the exact same question as the first person,
1: um, as far as when you got the goosebumps, the denial to acceptance, delusion to reality. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Denise F. Bonnie B. Your
3: turn. Good morning. Thank you, Leia, for your service, Terry. Oh my word, amazing. Um, uh, so many notes and i will be listening to this multiple times so this to me feels like i love the title it really pulled me in but it feels like it's a step one thing and this has been my deal for forever so the question is how do i drill home that step one when i'm sponsoring people how do you get i mean how do you drill that home because without that you can't go on to step two and then you can't do the rest so um yeah, that's my question again. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to hear your response and other questions also. Yeah. Blessings.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Bonnie, for the question. That's a, that's a great question and you know, I think I think the the beautiful piece of this recovery is that we all we all do it different, you know, and you know, it's it's just you got to have the experience, but for me, you know, my experience with this is like step 1 is is really the foundation of the rest of the steps and it's like if you have a good foundation on step 1 you're going to be definitely running to step 2. So for me it's like I spend time in step 1 um because this is the step that we you know that we relapse on, right? Because I don't believe I'm powerless or even if I know that I'm powerless, you know, I I you know, it it's the second half of step 1 where my life has become unmanageable and why has it become unmanageable is because I'm managing it. And so I really spend time on the physical piece, you know, we we have the doctor's opinion up to the top of there is a solution. You know, the, the top of 23, and then it moves into the mental obsession from 23 to to 40, 44, um, and then you know this this spiritual malady. I spend some time with that, you know, which is you know on the developments, which is on page 52, and and so you know I I really do spend time in step one. So that person that I'm working with has a good foundation because, if, again, if you have a good foundation on, on one, you know, you never have to go back. You never have to go backwards. But I have to stay close to step one because it's not about, for me, it's not about the first half. It's not about the physical and mental because, you know, I, I, I know that. Like when I put put my alcoholic foods in my my system, it's going to set off a phenomenal craving. And I also know, you know, um, the mental obsession, you know, the, the physical, the mental is the greater aspect of my problem that when the alcoholic foods are out of me, you know, do I have the power to not go back to them? So I need this third, the second half of step one, which is my life has become unmanageable. And the only reason, the only way that it can become, un- become manageable is with this connection of a higher power. So um, that that's what I do. I spend time in step one. So that person that I'm working with has a good, good foundation. So hopefully that that answered your question. Thanks for um, asking the question. Thank
0: you, Bonnie B. Opportunity to pose questions to our speaker, Terry A.H. You can do so by pressing star one to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Trisha G. Trisha G. Linda T. Linda T.
2: Shayna R.
0: Shayna R.
2: Nancy L. Gotcha, Nancy L, Jessica C, Jessica C, Terry J, Terry J, anyone else? Okay, let's go with this list. I've got Trisha G, Linda T,
0: Shana R, Nancy L, Jessica C, and Terry J. Everybody, please mute except for Tricia G. Go ahead with your question, please.
1: Hi, thank you, Leah, and thank you, Terry, for a wonderful presentation. This is Tricia G. from Washington, and I have a sponsoring question about Step One. When I know with this disease being progressive, and foods that
0: were not problematic in the beginning, the first time working a Step
1: One that come up later as being problematic that get um, start to speak to me or that I need to negotiate or for a sponsee. What is your process in guiding a sponsee? Do you have them start over with the steps when they identify a new food? Is it only when they've actually had a relapse? What's your process for that? Thank you.
2: Thanks, Tricia, for the question.
1: So, um, if someone's having having trouble with their food, you know, hopefully they get a you know, I I always say like I really recommend a nutritionist, you know, someone that knows about the disease, you know, because I'm I'm a compulsive overeater, and if I don't know how to eat, I'm certainly not going to tell someone else how to eat, and that that's just been my experience. I always think it's just better to have a third party, um, and I really don't focus on the food, but if someone is struggling, you know, constant relapse, then there's something that they've missed in in step one. So I I will take them back um, to see, and usually it's it's the second half um, where um, the connection with a with a higher power. So um, when working with others, you know, when, you know, if they want to, I don't really focus on the food because it's really not about the food, you know. And that I think that's the hardest piece piece in overeaters and honest because we all eat differently and and um i think that's that's the piece it's like you really got to get clear on your alcoholic foods so i I try to help that person i'm working with to get really clear on their alcoholic foods and if there's some questioning you know around that it's probably you know it's, it's definitely probably a food that um may go on your red list you know if you do the red yellow and green list um which you know there is really no 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 yellow light it's either really red or green so that's that's what i do is you know and i meet the person where they're at because this is you know this is yes we have to eat but we don't have to eat our alcoholic food you know so um and food is all around us just like you know alcohol is around for the alcoholic um you know but i don't have to go to those alcoholic foods today it's really where my reliance is on today and um so hopefully hopefully that helps thanks for the question.
2: Thank you, Trisha G. Next up, Linda T. Star one to unmute Linda
1: T. Hi, um Terry. This is Linda T in Virginia. Um thanks for your share. That was a great, great listen. Um I'm new to OA. Um, I'm a member of AA, and I I really liked the ten things that will not keep you abstinent. Can you read, re uh, re repeat those
2: for me, please?
1: Hi, Linda, and welcome. Um, I I would just say maybe uh, so. I don't, you know, for t- time's sake, I would maybe just recommend that you listen to the recording again. Just okay. for time sake, so that everyone gets an opportunity, if they want to ask questions, that they can. But um, yeah, because it's there. There's a long list. There's a long list um, for each section. But and you can also call well, me too. Okay. Was it just Thank the you. doctor's opinion? Was it? No, was it just you the you mentioned you mentioned ten things that won't keep you abstinent at, at the end of your share. And you've mentioned it twice, so I just wanted to list. It's fine. I'll re-listen. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thank
0: you, Linda T. Shayna R., your question, please.
3: Hi. Thank you so much. This is Shayna R. in Maryland. And I um, want to thank you. It was a very interesting and uh, <clears throat> very um, productive um speech, um, talk that you gave. Um, My question is about the relapse. Um, They say food is
0: the last to go, and I was wondering, since you've had numerous relapses, were you able to detect the um, behavior, the thought patterns that led up to these relapses before they happened, Um, or um,
3: did you have to kind of wait until you got recovered before you could look back and see the patterns? Thank you so much.
1: thanks shana for the for the question and so when I went through this process with um a sponsor, you know that was the first things that we did was you know to to get my alcoholic foods down um to write what they were um and also you know the the behaviors so you know some of my behaviors was i would you know, eat in the car, um, you know, stand up while eating, you know, eating in bed, you know, all, all the stuff that we do. So she had me do both. She had me do a list of my alcoholic foods, the foods that I knew, like, I would go out in the middle of the night and get, you know, because I couldn't stop thinking about them. Like, those those went on my list. Um, the things that I couldn't get out of my mind that, um, you know, that I, I just couldn't wait to have again. You know, um, so th- those went on my red list and, and my behaviors went on another list of what I did. You know, it's kind of like I didn't even know I was doing it until I actually sat down and, and got quiet with it. But there was a lot of behaviors that um, I could see that I didn't even know I was doing because um, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. But, yeah, that that's, that's how um, I was, you know, that's how I started out was um, writing both lists. So thanks for the question
2: thanks Shana Nancy l. Your turn Thank you Leah and thank you Terry um One part of
0: your talk says um five things that won't keep me abstinent.
2: Could you repeat those five, please
1: thank you nancy for the for the question um i think so um i think the five things might have been maybe in the doctor's opinion um in the very beginning because i think that was a the, the lesser of the list that i gave and i can remember those you know like <laughs> um very clearly but those were those five things were me um doctors um frothy emotional appeal. uh well, what was it uh trying to think. Um uh just give me a minute and I will I will tell you. So there were me, uh doctors, frothy emotional appeal, um, and um frothy emotional appeal, human power in my mind. That's what it was. So me, doctors, frothy emotional appeal, meaning people, human power in my mind. That's what it was. Thank thank you. Yeah.
2: Thank you for the question. Thank you, Nancy L. Jessica C. Your turn.
3: Hi, hi. Thank you. Hi, this is Jessica C. Um, Terry. I just want to thank you for your share. It was such a, a great um, summary of the chapters that you uh, that that you covered. Um, and you mentioned. My question for you is: You mentioned that. You used to work in a a bakery, or maybe you still do. And, you know, sometimes I talk to people, um, new people who have professions like that, um, or they talk about what sounds to me like sort of risky behavior with food, like they, you know, enjoy cooking, baking for family and friends, or they have a hobby that's sort of centered around um, creating foods that would be dangerous for me um or they have certain like you know traditions with their family involving food that they're reluctant to give up I just wanted to ask you about you know maybe your own experience with your career in the food industry or how how you would guide a, a newcomer who has some of the I guess habits or traditions that I just talked about thanks
1: Thanks, Jessica, for the for the question. That's a great great question because I, I get a lot of calls too. And again, you know, I, I worked in the bakery department for 28 years. I I don't longer there. I'm, I'm retired now. But um, and I was in the food for half of those years and out of it for half of those years and you know continue to 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 remain recovered. But my experience with that, it was, you know, it's it talks about in step twelve that we can go anywhere as long as we're spiritually fit. You know, it's like as long as I, as long as I have a higher power, you know, uh, on board, and my motives are in the right place, then there's not going to be a problem. You know, I don't, I don't have to avoid, you know, not going. I I didn't have to avoid not going into work. You know, and when, you know, I, it was it was tricky. Um, I think it was more about what people thought, and you know, because in the bakery department, I was a baker, so it was like, we you know the, the bakers would try everything you know to let the customers know what it you know what it was like or how good it was and um so whenever that happened or I was in that position I would just you know I would say you know I don't eat that food you know but let me ask so and so um and you know so I would get another coworker to explain you know the taste or you know the texture or, or you know just any any information about it um but um, that was the most uncomfortable thing for me was not to be able to explain how it tasted or, you know, how good it was or whatever, but the more that I just did it. And again, you know, again, we can go anywhere as long as we're spiritually fit. So it's like, if you, if you're, if your motives are in the right place and you're not getting any vicarious pleasure out of it, then, then, you know, you, you really, I always felt myself, I was good to go, you know, cause again, I I can't avoid food wherever I go, but, you know, I know, like, (laughs) I can walk down, you know, a cookie aisle, and, you know, I can keep walking, like, I don't, I don't stand there and look and see what kind of, you know, new cookies they have out, because it's, it's really not my food, it's kind of what was taught to me, you know, in the beginning, it's like, you got to look at that, it's not your food, and you have to look at that like poison, you know, so if I'm not spiritually fit, then that's when I'm, I'm really, I can, in you know uh, trouble, so hopefully that answers your question. Thanks for the thanks for the question, Jessica.
2: Thank you, Jessica C. Terry J. Your turn to pose a question. Star one to unmute Terry. Good morning.
4: Hey, good morning. Thank you, Leah and Terry. Um, my name is Terry J. in Michigan. Uh, abstinent just for today. Grateful to have heard your talk. Thank you so much. You caught me from the very beginning, Terry. I think it may have something to do with the name because I struggle also with remaining abstinent. And my question has to do with the first paragraph in uh, Chapter 5, Those Who Rarely Uh, If you could elaborate on that just a little bit, I'm trying to find my way this year, and um, I just want to know a person that's unconstitutional, that's my question, to be honest with themselves. And if you could touch on that, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your share. I got so much out of it, and I'm going to go back and listen to it and write down those ten things also, and glean whatever else I can from your share. Thank you again. Thanks, thanks, Terry, for the
1: question. And um, I think you, I I'm not sure what, what what chapter you were talking about. Um, was it? Um, how it works yes, okay, so let me just go there real quick page um, fifty eight thank you okay so um you know they they talk about uh that first uh the first paragraph really have we seen a person fail sorry sorry followed our path um uh there are such unfortunates they're not at fault they have some seem to be born that way so I, I look at this like i feel like anyone is is capable um unless you have a disability or um you know you you don't have um you don't have the mental capacity to do it but i believe if you have the willingness then anybody can can get this like that I, that's that's my belief. And I, I could be totally wrong, but I just believe if, if you don't want what you have and you want what we have, there's hope. And um, and I, I know a lot of people don't think they're constitutionally incapable, but it's like the willingness, if you have the willingness, and I always say like there's two things that nobody can give you, and that's the willingness and a higher power because the willingness has to come within. And that's really, if you have the willingness to do it different, then there's a way out, and that's how I would answer that. Well, so thanks for the question, Terry.
0: Thank you, Terry J. All right, we have time for a few more questions. Anyone else with something on their mind? Press star one to unmute to pose a question. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Margaret letter. D. Margaret D.
5: Susan L. L.
0: Susan L. Perhaps. Sarah R and Sarah R okay that'll do it
2: thank you Margaret D go ahead with your question Margaret star one to unmute thank you Leah as always um
3: you're our guardian angel
1: Um, My question is, I've heard, and first of all, thank you, Terry. It's a deep, deep, um, well-thought-out presentation. Um, So I've heard, even in the questions, people want to know what are the things that won't work. My question is, what have you found that's been really super particularly helpful that does work as far as like a go-to process,
4: say maybe um um two step prayer or or two I'm sorry, two way prayer or something like that.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Margaret. That's a great great question. And and for myself, you know, connection is the opposite of addiction. So it's definitely definitely that, um, to have that connection and to, what's really been helpful for me is the accountability. Um and that's just about, you know, showing up, you know, when I'm asked to show up. Um, not so much today because, you know, I, I go through the process, you know, once a year with um, with a sponsor just, you know, to, to have go deeper in my step work. But for me today, it's really about working with others. That has been the key to my recovery, really, is, is to pass this on and to continuously work with others. Um, you know, it's good to have, you know, uh, a, a buddy. Um, I mean, you can have a prayer buddy. I mean, there's so many, there's so many different things and I think it really depends on the individual on their, on their needs and their willingness to, you know, um, come together and, and, uh, you know, do it together. And, um, I don't think it has to look a certain way, but for me, it's really about, I would say what works for me today is working with others and, and passing this on, you know, to, to help someone else get, get out of that pit of darkness. And, um, and that's, that's, that's what I would say for that question, and hopefully hopefully that answers it.
2: Thank you for the question. Thank you, Margaret D. Susan, you're up next. Is it Susan T?
0: Perhaps? Susan, star one, two. Susan L.
5: Susan L. Those? OK,
0: wonderful. Go ahead, Susan. Uh,
5: yeah,
2: Susan T. All right. Perhaps we have two Susans. Go ahead, Susan L. Star One Ten. Good morning.
3: It's it's Sue L. And Sue L. um Thank you for yes, thank you for allowing me to ask the question. And Terry, oh wow, <laughs> you really were so insightful. Thank you. I have a question for you about honesty. And you know, cash register honesty. I've got it down. I mean, absolutely. But I think when it comes to being honest with myself, do you have any tips or pointers? I definitely pray. I listen for guidance from my higher power. But I think in some ways I can still be delusional about my own thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Not Again, not around cash register honesty, but more around just my honesty with me. And so, do you have any
2: pointers for us, please? And thank you.
1: Thanks, Sue, for the question. Um, I always say, like, honesty is the highest form of self-love. And, yeah, it's always easy to point out the cash register honesty. But, you know, how can I be honest with myself? And for me, you know, my experience is, you know, with with step 10. You know, my step step 10 inventory and, again, you know, my step 11 where, and in my step 11, I've added, you know, in there, you know, where have I ignored God today? And, and that's kind of where my dishonesty shows up. Like where was I not honest with myself today with bringing God into maybe that area of my life that um, I didn't think I needed help. So 10 and 11 is really where that comes up. And um, because I'm looking at it on a, on a daily basis. So hopefully that answers your question. Thanks for the question. Thank you, Sue L. Sarah, your turn.
0: Star
5: 1 to unmute. Um, Good morning, everyone. This is Sarah R. in New York. Thanks so much, Leah. I love hearing your voice on the line. And, Terry, that was great. And thanks to everyone. I'm here today because you all show up every day. Um, Okay. So I am new to the sponsoring excitement and um, it's very interesting because I remember how I came crawling in literally by by you know super sick in my disease and it was really really hard and I was desperate and willing but I just I couldn't do it so now you know I, I'm so blessed and grateful that um, you know I'm, I'm recovered just right now for 950 a.m but my question is when, when people are calling, you know, when I'm trying to find how to sponsor people and I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing exactly where I was, can you maybe give some tips or recommendations? Because I know for me when I started, I really wanted it. I just, I couldn't do it. And I, I, I can use some guidance on, you know, how, how can I pass on the experience in a loving way and my higher power through my voice? Thank you so much.
1: thanks thanks sarah for the for the question and thanks i i think my experience has been like when we get through the 12 steps i think sponsoring you know for a lot of people and including myself you know it was scary you know i wasn't sure what to do but you know to really keep it simplified for me today it's just really about just showing up and letting go of the outcome and and how i mean i I sponsor, um, I'm real clear on, on my sponsorship, like, you know, I meet with a person, we have a, we have a set time, you know, um, they show up with their work, if there's work to be done, Um, you know, uh, I always start out with uh, a two to three minute meditation um, before we even get started, you know, just quiet time, time, you know, just to get grounded and invite God into the session. Um, And then, i don't really for me i don't have an agenda i just kind of let god guide me in 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 that hour session i meet with i meet with sponsees an hour you know um in, an hour at a time but um i also have a sponsee ideal too and i read that i read that to them before we even get started so they know exactly what i'm what i'm about and what we're going to do and um you know it's really about getting you to a place where you can be of service to others and um know live this life of freedom which um, I i don't know that's one of my passions is i I really do love working with others and um, it's 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 a bright spot in my life really and just to watch people recover and and to be able to pass that on to to others um, and that was what my sponsor did for me you know she's just like all I'm asking is that you pass this on and I always like to describe it it's like you know sponsor takes takes you over the rainbows you know we have these 12 golden nuggets and the sponsor takes you over this rainbow to get the real treasure you know we get this treasure map to the with the 12 golden nuggets and at the end of the rainbow is this true treasurer which is the god of my understanding and now it's my responsibility to come back around that rainbow and take somebody else over it so that they too can get that pot of gold and the real treasure so um yeah that's been my experience so thanks for the question sarah
5: Thank you, Sarah.
0: And perhaps we can squeeze in Susan P. with your question. Susan P. Can Can I be heard? I hear you. Yeah, my question is, you know, thank you for your
3: wonderful share. It made me realize that I still have a long way to go to overcoming defiance. But um, my my uh, question is, do you ever experience, and I know this means I'm not spiritually it, but whatever, um, envy
0: i mean uh, i had a year of abstinence and then you know i pick up my grandchildren from school and they get
3: these
5: snacks
3: that are my red light food and i just i, I succumb to it i just every day i thought uh you know the big book says that if we're spiritually fit we can uh go where where food is and i find i i can't do that you know i i if i'm exposed to my red light foods too much it
0: just sets up this envy and um if you ever experienced that,
2: what what thought processes do you do you go through to to help you with that?
1: Thanks, Susan, for the question. And um, yes, I, I, I've gone. I <laughs> so I laugh because my husband is not like me. He's a normal eater, and his whole dietary is is nothing but uh, sugar. Um, he loves his sweets and. You know, so they're always in the house, and so, but for me today, it's like I know that. How do I explain it? It's, it's I don't even I don't even know that they're there, and we have this joke between us. Like he'll be sitting down eating one of his his you know his sweets, and um, you know usually it's like a whoopie pie or just something that's, you know just not good for you, and you know he'll say to me, "Do you want a bite?" <laughs> and I laugh, and I'm like. A bite wouldn't do it for me. Like, we would probably be in divorce court if I took a bite because he wouldn't have anything in the house, really. And that's, and that's my truth. That's my truth. So, yeah, I mean, I can go anywhere today and not be bothered by the food because the, the food is not the issue. It's, it's my, you know, it's my mental condition, which if if I'm if I'm looking at the food and I'm obsessing about the food, it's because I'm disconnected from a power greater than myself because it will always take me back, you know, if I'm not connected, it will always take me back to that first bite. So, that's why I say it's a daily reprieve and and for me it's 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 I need I need a guide of my understanding on a daily basis. So, and sometimes that looks like on a minute basis, but um again, we can go anywhere and we can be of service to those around us. So, hopefully that helps. Thanks for the question.
0: Thank you, Susan P. Thanks to all thank for who Thanks to all who posed questions this morning and of course thank you Terry A. H. for spending time with us today here on a Vision for You. Thank you for your presentation. So very instructive and helpful. I'm sure it will be a gem for many. Thank you so much. Share ID for today, 19,855. That's 19855. 5. And we're going to close now from page 164. Of course, you'll notice it's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.